Welcome to Integral Talks, a podcast series brought to you by Integral Advisors, where we dive into the world of compliance, risk management, and due diligence, and provide you with expert insight and analysis to help you make more informed business decisions. Hello, and welcome to Integral Talks, a podcast by Integral Advisors that delivers fresh, smart, and engaging conversations with leaders and stakeholders in and around the world of risk management and compliance. My name is Alberto de la Portilla. I'm the CEO and founder of Integral Advisors. A hot topic in the business world today, actually for years now, has been innovation and emerging technologies, and specifically financial innovation. Today, we have invited someone who has been engaged in financial innovation as a facilitator in the world of payments for several years. John Rodriguez is head of business development for Visa Direct Latin America and the Caribbean, which is helping individuals and businesses send and receive money efficiently around the world, including remittances. He has a history of success driving sales and business development initiatives with top tier global banks and fintechs within the Americas. John has served in various senior corporate banking roles previously with Barclays Bank, HSBC, and Wells Fargo. He's also a past president of the Financial and International Business Association, FIBA, where we both have served as board members in the past. His role as a thought leader in financial innovation is why we have invited him here today. Hello, John, how are you today? Good morning, Alberto. So happy to be with you today and I really appreciate the invitation. So uh, thank you. So um, let's talk financial innovation. So uh, we know financial innovation refers to the process of, of creating new financial and investment products, uh, services and, and, and processes through updated technologies. Um, tell me about how um, your role in, in this space today, uh, uh, when did you first begin to take an interest in financial innovation and, and how did you get here? Well, I uh, back in 2017, I had been at uh, some conferences and um, I was noticing presence of fintechs that are uh, providing digital platforms. And uh, one of the things that intrigued me was how banks uh, were really looking at the space really more uh, with the interest of, wow, what a potential business this can be. And uh, as you know, I've been a career banker, uh, transaction banker at that. And uh, one of the things that I found really quite interesting um, is that through FIBA, and in fact, today I'll speak uh, in my role as a FIBA past chair, which um, I also want to thank you for being a member of FIBA and uh, very strong in the advocacy, especially in the AML space, right? And uh, this allows me to speak a little bit about the industry and the challenges. So um, one of the things that I found quite interesting is the, the expansion and, and, and the way the, the business is migrating. We see a very strong generational change. We see the, the younger generations in particular uh, embracing technology in a way where we have done uh, some surveys, for example, and I can reference uh, our, the head of Visa Direct uh, here, here at Visa. Uh, his name is uh, Ruben Salazar Genoves. He heads our Visa Direct globally. And we, we do uh, surveys. And, and one of the things that I want to reference from this, and um, I can share uh, some of the money, money movement research articles with you, is that if you look at the space, right, uh, we find that in, in the survey that we've done with users, right, of, of digital payments and particularly remittances, we find that approximately 60 to 70 percent uh, only use uh, digital platforms. But the real point here to make is that in the future, they only expect and, 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 and will use digital platforms. Right. So that's the challenge banks have, right? 
how can they get into the space and enjoy the growth uh, and the exponential growth, especially from marketplaces, the gig economy? We, we see today, for example, and, and again, just to mention examples that we see out there, uh, digital platforms today are, are driving uh, innovation. We, we know that from example, from public information uh, entities like Venmo, you know, we, we, you know, Zelle, these, these are more domestic type programs, but the space is now moving more into in the international space. Um, and, and let's talk about that a little bit more uh, on the international side, because obviously we're both in Miami. Um, uh, remittances is such a big part of, of the economy, uh, of the trans-American economy between South Florida and Latin America. So um, I also, I, 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 in, I know the, 60% of remittance users have or plan to use digital platforms. Um, tell me about how financial innovation is, you know, more, and, and if you can get into some detail, how that is facilitating the remittance uh, space and, and, and exactly. where so, do you see the growth? Uh, so, so today you, you, you see that many, many banks have platforms such as home banking. They might even have retail uh, platforms that are digital. And what we're really doing here is connecting into the rail uh, that allows you through an API to connect uh, into real-time or near real-time payments. And that's a real benefit. The user experience here, you know, if you look at traditional rails, uh, the end-to-end requirements uh, are such that there's some connectivity that's being lost in the traditional rails. So how do you get access to ensure that you can make payments to credentials that are related to accounts? And the point here to make is that banks know their customer, they have their uh, regulatory responsibilities. Uh, Accessing this rail doesn't change uh, that framework. What it does is allows them to use new, more innovative settlement uh, processes to affect payments in a lower cost, more efficiently. Uh, Also, the timeframe certainly is expedited. You know, the FX in many of these transactions, especially in the cross-border space, when we deal with cross-border money movement is undefined. So imagine having a user experience where you know exactly the amount that you're going to receive. <laughs> the FX is going to be charged, right? There's not going to be any surprises along the way just because end-to-end is not there where you might have to, as they use the, the word in Spanish, triangular and, and triangulate. Right. And that means that you have to go through correspondence to reach the, car, you know, the final beneficiary's account. And that could be you know, two, three correspondence in some cases in certain markets. Uh, I'm not saying that that's the case uh, all the time. But the, the, the fact is, is that if you can get access to making payments through rails that are efficient, Visa Direct is a good example. Um, you, know, you, you do have access to provide financial inclusion, which is something that's really uh, right now huge in this space. The small and medium-sized companies have some of the largest segments and biggest growth, especially in employment. And so the gig economy and a lot of these marketplaces are, are showing interest where not only are we seeing payments cross-border, uh, you know, from from a, let's say global standpoint, for example, small imports uh, services, but also interregionally, because we we find uh, in case of some of these countries and some of the free trade agreements that we see, that you, you almost have uh, workers that 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 sort of cross the borders, if you will, and they want to make payments to their account, and so th- there is this uh, P2P, which is person-to-person type. Facilitation mm-hmm. usually in this type of space, you know, they require immediate, immediate, uh, you know, uh, settlement because right. it's, uh, it's, uh, it's usually a remittance. Right. But you find also that in the B, B business to business, small small business space, uh, B to small business or B to business to customer disbursements, for example, these tend to be low value. But the interesting thing is, Alberto, that these generally don't flow 
through traditional channels. Right. These, these are right now in the digital platforms offered by many fintechs, in fact. And what you're finding is many banks are connecting and creating their own uh, digital bank or their neo bank or, or, or process or even directly where they can connect to an API to, to reach these rails. And so uh, examples, uh, Visa Direct among some, some other providers, you know, they have the ability to, to settle uh, through credentials in, in a very fast and efficient way for remittances. And again, uh, on the B2C, as we call B, you know, business customer disbursements and business to small business space, which again are low value payments, you want to have the ability to have a definitive, let's say, uh, experience in the user to make sure that payment gets there efficiently. And usually it could be T plus one uh, or a little bit more, depending on the, on the global reach for time zone reasons. But it's uh, it's become a big movement in this space. Now, as you know, we're leading into the Clab Conference at FIBA. And uh, mm-hmm. again, we appreciate always your support at FIBA. Right. Uh, what, one of the big uh, initiatives is going to be how do banks uh, you know, get in the space, either directly by providing their own uh, technology access through the APIs, or if not, partnering with fintechs. And uh, for example, we have uh, Yellow Pepper in the case of Visa, uh, which is a facilitator. They, they actually uh, provide access to... Uh, these APIs in a more efficient way, so they can work with banks. Uh, there's a recent Finastra uh, announcement that's uh, made public where enablement is is also a uh, a, 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 uh, a solution that banks can go to, uh, among others. Right there, there's been a lot of work in this space. The key, the key for, for for entities like Visa is how do you connect the digital space? But remember, the rails can be through uh, very efficient channels that are associated with accounts, usually through debit cards. Uh, there's also channels such as uh, accounts, which reach uh, the ACH network uh, by way of uh, being able to send a cross-border payment and settle through the local ACH. And you also have wallets, which is uh, a huge, huge development. And again, it's the future. And and you, you touched on something earlier about, uh, you touched on the term uh, financial inclusion. And, and and obviously this is this seems to be at the heart of the the, the philosophy behind uh, some of these emerging technologies, um, and that is to uh, include those that have been previously or have never had access to traditional banking services. Maybe they live in remote areas in certain parts of the developing regions of of Latin America. Um, do you is is that sort of in, do you agree with this being kind of one of the the end goals? Obviously, I would imagine also just kind of general economic development across the region. But um, just tell me about what you think of the you know financial inclusion as it pertains to emerging technologies. Definitely, it's a, a an economic uh, reactivator in a <laughs> sense that yeah, you do have access to the unbanked, and, and and this is actually a segment where we find a lot of banks in Latin America that are focusing in this area. Right. But you find also the small and medium-sized companies, you know, the the, the BMIS, as we call them, uh, they they need access to to more efficient uh, purchase channels, payment channels, uh, worker uh, payment channels. The gig economy is a good example, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, and and so <clears throat> to your to your question, yeah, this this provides more inclusiveness not only in the in the individual financial uh, inclusion space for remitters uh, to attract. Uh, inbound uh, flows to the countries for remittance purposes to allow, you know, more more uh, what we call hard currency, uh, uh, let's say, uh, increase, if you will, through through these channels that that provide this this uh, this this increase. But but also, you know, you're talking about the intra-regional and the global space, right? If you're going to make a small import from 
Europe, or if you're going to make a small service uh, payment, let's say, uh, from, from a provider abroad, uh, this is a perfect channel to do so. And we're not talking about very large amounts, right? right. Uh, remittances we know are generally, uh, you know, sort of in, in, in lower space. Uh, not quite sure of the of the average, but let's let's just say, for example, purposes six hundred dollars. Uh, you know that 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 is a we call it pagos masivos. You know that's that's where you're finding a huge trend. But to your question, you find that fintechs have been very active in the space, and banks. Not that they've been passive. They 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 see the value today, and they will now want to say, you know what. We can compete. We can affect access and grow this segment, <clears throat> grow this business. It's quite lucrative, in the sense that, yeah, even though it's a lower, uh, lower cost and so on. But when you look at the amount of flows, uh, you know, globally, it's 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 quite large. Yeah, and I I, I agree. And uh, it's interesting that you you reference the collab because I, I know that the theme this year is innovate or die. <laughs> Uh, for Glad, that's that's kind of the message they're putting out there, which is essentially directly uh, to the uh, traditional banking institution, right? I would imagine that you need to get on board, or 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 not, and then just be left at the at the station, right? Because it's we're we're moving in a, in a new direction. Thank you, Alberto. I think that from FIBA, you know, the standpoint when we spoke with David Schwartz on on the actual topic. It's a banks are eager to understand the technology. Um, this year, we will have, for example, highlighting Visa Direct uh, and the rails for for real time payments, near real time. Uh, and uh, we will also highlight we have the CEO from Yellow Pepper attending, uh, which is a fintech that, again that that provides the API access uh, for banks. And, and and I would say that it's a, it's a pretty uh, harsh title, uh, but what I find is banks by by. Uh, by and large, you know, do still control uh, a dominant uh, percentage of, of payments, especially in the cross-border space. Right. The key here is how do you expand it and how do you do so in a way that's efficient and, and be able to compete and grow in this space? I say that banks, and as, as I mentioned earlier when we opened our discussion, looking at fintechs, not, 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 at times not necessarily as a competitor, but also as a facilitator or as an uh, uh, enabler. And so uh, the conference, as you know, is going to have all in one place uh, most of the banks that attend from Latin America and uh, also fintechs, you know, a lot from the U.S. and globally. So in one space, you get a chance to have these discussions and see what's the best fit, you know, for you to provide access to this business. Yeah. So um, we've talked a lot about the the positives and and the realities where uh, the world of banking and payments is heading today, but let's talk a little bit about the challenges. What, what challenges do you see today and tomorrow with respect to the ability for financial innovation and emerging technologies to continue along this kind of very rapid path, path that, it's, that it's on? Well, you're seeing a move, especially, uh, and again, from an industry perspective, the, the central bank digital currencies, um, that's, that's a movement. We, we've seen the PICS in Brazil, for example, uh, enter into the space. And, and what you're finding uh, is that, that banks can still play a significant role by accessing rails. The key here is, can you access sufficient enough endpoints uh, to make this process efficiently? And so the huge opportunity and the challenge is in the uh, cross-border space. Mm-hmm. Because there is where you find, uh, again, in this uh, you know more of a global economy uh, situation where you're finding uh, sourcing of, of small import services. Uh, we all know, for example, and again, uh, just from public information that we see, you know, you're, you're going to make payments on Airbnb, you're going to make payments on Uber. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of these things, 
you know, are done digitally. Right. And so in these marketplaces locally, uh, banks are now looking to uh, enter into the space. And again, based on public information, uh, there was a launch recently done by um, Match, uh, a bank in Chile uh, with BCI that now basically accesses their 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 access from their local digital platform for person to person payments to uh, cross border, and uh, and so in, in this particular case, you know you're, you're seeing banks being very effective in entering the space because the challenge again is. If, if we do a survey and the result is that 70% of digital platform users will only use digital platforms, uh, we got to get into that space. And so uh, Clab this year, I think, is going to be a, a good uh, venue for us to have these discussions. Let's talk about um, regulation. Uh, obviously, the, the banking uh, industry is a, is a heavily regulated industry globally. Um, there was an article that I read recently in the American Banker, I think last month, <clears throat> where it said that uh, the U.S.'s financial regulatory framework, uh, the sort of patchwork of state and, and federal, um, is preventing a comprehensive and coordinated response to emerging technologies. Right. So so and the the ability for financial innovation to continue to, to thrive. So, um, you know, what's your opinion about how regulators can can promote, on the one hand, financial innovation, but also uh, continue to to um, uh, protect consumers? Thank you. I think uh, at the end of the day and again, I can't speak um, on behalf of the, the regulation or the regulators, if you will. But right. Uh, through FIBA, you know, right. we, we make a big emphasis uh, of ensuring that banks have the safety and soundness and certainly the infrastructure um, for the AML policies to be in place based on regulatory uh, requirements. And so I think we need to understand that, you know, we're not changing that. We, we are looking at the ability to incorporate that. In fact, some of the APIs will, will actually have uh, the monitoring will have the uh, the lists you know the the, the required sanctions, uh, list. sanctions yeah. listings and things incorporated to to prevent uh, these type of payments uh, from uh, you know reaching the bad guys if you will so uh, I think when you look at these flows for example a lot of the business that we we actually transact cross border in the digital bank space it's actually the majority is, is banks and uh, and so we know banks have the local regulation. We know that banks also abide by the multi-country uh, regulations where it's required, certainly in the U.S. Uh, financial system, uh, which is a prerequisite. So licensing, uh, the enhanced due diligence, all these things are still done, uh, I believe, effectively by the banks, or, or, or at least that's the attempt right, to ensure that as they look at these new rails, uh, that they still incorporate sound uh, AML practices. So what else about uh, financial? I mean, you, you have, you're a career banker. Uh, I, I remember meeting you uh, uh, eons ago uh, when, you're, when you were in a, a different capacity, but always in, in the corporate banking world in the Americas. Um, you know, you're, 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 you're a career banker and, and you've, seen, you've seen it from, from, the, you know, from the front lines, how um, the world has changed. And, uh, you know, you're not one of the young pups out there that are that are involved in startups. You know, you're <laughs> I don't want. <laughs> so so that that's, you know, what else excites you? about? No, it's, this? A great but, point. it's a great point. Well, yeah, as I said, the 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 transaction banking uh, 
business ha- has evolved, right? right. And right. Uh, as I said earlier, we, we started seeing the train coming a while ago, right? Um, uh, I, I'm happy to say that I'm still in this space. Uh, the fact that I was a career transaction banker or banker, if you will, uh, it tells you something about the role because today, for example, Visa, uh, as an example, you know they they have relationships with banks, and and uh, so for me, it was a, a a nice way to come in from the space that banks are trying to reach to provide these solutions. So I my role really at FIBA uh, and also as I said through Clab and also uh, working with entities like Integro is how do we send out the message that this is a very viable business. That yes, it can be grown and it can be uh, lucrative from a uh, you know monetization standpoint, but banks don't necessarily have to be afraid to go into it. And it's not like we're taking business away from traditional rails. We're just using uh, new rails, more innovative rails, uh, to affect payments based on what the user today requires. And that user experience, again, because I mentioned the generational uh, shift that you've seen, uh, the embracing of technology. This one last question, which I, I find very interesting, um, you know, I, I both you and I have been around, you know, banking in and around banking for many, many years. And banking has always been about relationships and face to face relationships, particularly, um, you know, when it comes to Latin America, that culture, that custom remains very strong. Um, also in South Florida, uh, how do you see these sort of fintech products and services and financial innovation, um, you know, continuing to to honor and respect that culture, even though a lot of this is just digital and, and there's no face-to-face contact with customers, even new customers. I understand banks in, in Guatemala that are onboarding new customers to their digital wallets or not even meeting customers anymore. It's just everything's done electronically. How, how do you how can you balance that culture and that custom of traditional banking and relationship building with with uh, financial innovation today? Uh, thank you. I believe that's a great question, Alberto. Uh, speaking again on behalf of FIBA and the trend that we see in banks, you know, banks are definitely relationship focused, and uh, I don't see necessarily that trend necessarily changing. Um, I think the misconception is that um, you know the fintech side uh, of the solution takes away from um, having that that personal access and contact. Because I believe banks have the biggest benefit in the sense that they already have a client in place and they're offering a new solution through new digital and innovation channels. So imagine retaining that client versus losing that client potentially to a competitor uh, or even not only a bank that offers uh, the solution, but uh, a digital platform solution, but also fintech. And so uh, the idea here is is that in order to retain and, and grow the business and give new access points, especially for new business opportunities, uh, that can be done through the relationship channel. And that's something that banks really do well. Um, at the end right. of the day, though, when we talk about financial inclusion, you're accessing new clients. Right. So it's, uh, it's and, and also small business uh, solutions. Uh, you're accessing new new PMS, new new clients to expand one of the biggest growing sectors in the economies. Yeah. And I also think, I mean, if you have that client and that's been your client for, for decades, uh, you know, the next generation uh, uh, of those families, so the, that 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 live and operate in Latin America are, are you know certainly much more adept at technology and and much more open to uh, this type of of banking and, and financial uh, transacting. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Think, <clears throat> think about the flip side of that. If you have a user of a, of a cross border payment and you're using a traditional rail, and that uh, payment might have some deductions or that that payment might have let's say a certain time frame 
uh, that's not defined or an FX type situation that's not defined, you know, the user is really looking for a solution to that, right? And so these new digital rails uh, provide that efficiency, uh, that transparency. Uh, more importantly, the user experience is enhanced and chances are that client will stay with you, at, you know, and, and bank with you uh, using this new offering. And, uh, you know, banks are, are looking at these home banking platforms where they're simply adding a, a new feature to make a payment. And uh, yeah. that payment is done through a digital a digital platform solution. Um, well, thank you. I, I, I want to just uh, end on a, on a, on a light note um, and, and just ask you a completely <laughs> off the wall question, which is, um, uh, I always like to do this. I, I'm, a, I'm an avid fan of, of music. And so uh, I listen to a lot of music. Fantastic. I have a collection of music at home. Um, I've, I've taught my children well, as Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young have said. And so when I think of innovation, <laughs> when I think of innovation, I think of uh, pioneers. And so I wanted to ask you, in your, in your mind, who are some of the great music pioneers of the past 50 years? Well, uh, I'd say that, you know, for my... Uh, uh, generation. Let's just kind of speak a little sure. bit about the fact that I, I, I grew up in New Jersey. Uh, I uh, went to Rutgers. I had the whole entire uh, growing up experience, if you will. Uh, and it's a song that I reflect with Bruce Springsteen growing up. And so, uh, you know, I, uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan. Uh, he's transcended the times with uh, wonderful music. Uh, he has been uh, a tremendous influence to me. Certainly, uh, you know, after the 9-11, he dedicated an entire album to that uh, situation, you know, and, and now today he's still going strong and producing some really great music. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm a little bit biased to New Jersey type uh, artists, you know, John Bon Jovi, for example. Sure. Uh, who yeah, lived, but I, uh, two towns away from me. Yeah. Oh, really? Is that right? Yeah. Listen, the boss is a great is a great example. Uh, uh, Bruce Springsteen is, is an icon. I love the fact that he is continuing to make incredible music today at this stage in his life. He is a workhorse. He is uh, so disciplined. I've seen documentaries about him. I saw him live in concert many years ago. Uh, I'm a big fan of Bruce Springsteen. So that, that's a fantastic uh, example to uh, a great response. Um, um, anyway, John, I, I think I, his legacy, I'll just mention it. Yeah. yeah go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go on. No, I was just saying, I think his legacy when he had his uh, Springsteen on Broadway was was a great example of uh, a, you know, really realizing that great achievement throughout his career uh, as, a, as an amazing artist. But uh, but he's still going strong and he's not, you know, he's still moving forward and he's, uh, you know, at late stage of his life, if you will. But he's still yeah. moving into very new uh, uncharted uh, music. Well, we should we should all uh, follow his path. Right. So you, you, you certainly <laughs> you, you certainly are driven by that. So uh, you continue to seek new new paths through financial innovation. So, John, thank you again for your, your time today and uh, and your availability. Um, uh, look forward to, um, to to seeing you soon uh, uh, in and around uh, South Florida. And uh, and thank you to everyone for watching and listening uh, this episode of Integral Talks and stay tuned for the next one. 